Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining. There's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15 hole here. Drivers recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is golf. Andrew Datto is my name. I am a professional golfing enthusiast and I really love talking to people about golf, especially people who know a lot about the game, who've lived their lives in it. And today is no exception. We've got Dave Saunders. Now, Dave is a um, he's a coach on the northern beaches of Sydney. So you'll find him at the Narrabeen or the Pitwater Golf Centre, which is in Narrabeen. Um, there's a mini golf course there and then you go through and then there's the driving range and you see people bashing the hell out of golf balls in all different shapes and sizes and different swing types. And then through the special doors to the high performance area and there on the wall is the name Dave Saunders, PGA coach. And that's where you'll find him. That's where he applies his trade. And he is uh, probably best known as a swing rebuilder. But Dave is more than that. He is someone who genuinely changes lives. Uh, by his own admission, he is often the spot of last resort. When you have nowhere else to go, you go and see him. And there you'll get a swing rebuild or something like it. So he's been in the game for a long time. Uh, he's toured, he's coached the coaches, and he's coaching the players now. We started with uh, an interesting spot. Given that he's been in the game for quite some time, I asked, have you shot your age? This is Dave Saunders from Pitwater Golf Centre. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, we did record it outside, so the sound has some funky moments. You can hear someone having their lessons in the background, which is great. Smashing the hell out of the ball. Um, but bear with it. It's definitely worth it. And some really genuine insights into golf and the golf swing. This is Dave Saunders. No, not yet. Right. Soon, no. Getting close. <laughs> <laughs> I still love the game. I still yeah. I, I teach six days a week and you know, five and a half days and I play on a Wednesday and then 
on Sunday or play on Sundays. Okay, so you're not playing Saturday comps, you're teaching Saturdays. I teach Saturdays, yeah. Okay, so back you're a five year old, your mum's got you into the game. When did yeah. when did it click for you? Um I think as soon as I started playing, I didn't want to do anything else. That's the only thing I ever wanted to do. That's the only thing I've really done. So being the golf industry. It's been pretty cool. Great lifestyle. Okay, what did you what did you mix it with as a teenager? So, like oh. you mentioned, you know, chasing pigs and stuff, yeah. which is you know, like it's biggins, biggin, long gone biggin. Billy Bob's. It's a um, bit of everything. Like I played rugby league and uh, a bit of squash and a bit of tennis. Like coming from the boys, you, you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. And when I was growing up, it was like I didn't see TV until I was twelve. Mm-hmm. You know? You had to make your own fun, and that was really? part of it. You know, like, what did you remember when you first got colour TV? Yeah. Oh yeah, it was amazing. I yeah. remember when we got first got black and white TV. Yeah, you know, we went over the next door neighbours because they had TV. We watched uh, Man, with, Man on the Moon and stuff. You know, like it was pretty amazing kind of time. And then they got a colour TV. Wow, it was just. <laughs> Do you remember the first thing? You saw? I'm only asking this because I remember the first thing I saw on colour TV. All right, too long ago. Okay, as was the Muhammad Ali um, match against the guy who was a kung fu bloke. Oh, okay. And we couldn't believe it was a blue ring, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because we don't have a yeah. grey ring. It must yeah. be grey, so it was amazing. <laughs> remember, remember that fight? He, he, the kung fu bloke just kicked the hell out of his Never left or right calf. Never got off the ground. No. <laughs> um, so did you nearly, did you, you know, did you nearly lose your way from golf on the way through when you, like, you know, girls and drinking and, you know, those teenage formative years? Um, no, they were great years, but mm. no, no, not really. I, I wasn't sparkling your eye there. I wasn't a big drinker. So, oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, probably took it up a little bit later in life, drinking and um, always chasing women as, as you, when you do when you're young. But, um, no, it was, I never kind of uh, deviated from golf. Okay, and so what about the touring life? So you've, I know you've played extensively around Australia and you've uh, a little bit around Asia as well. Yeah. Did you go to Europe? Were you drawn that no, way? No. I figured if I couldn't uh, do it in my own backyard, why would I go to someone else's backyard? Mm. I got played all right. But, um, I don't want a lot of pro-ams and stuff like that, but four-round tournaments, we didn't have a lot of them, so we didn't have the opportunity to play a lot. Probably a little bit more than what we have now in Australia because we don't have a lot of tournaments, but... I got played a lot of Australian Opens, Masters, Big Opens, played a lot of great players and stuff like that. I mean, sure, great usage. Um, and so, so, so Payne Stewart, for instance, yeah. so, you know, is a, like a major winner, or, you know, Ian Baker Finch as well. What was, what was it like for you playing, well, at Payne Stewart first, what was it like playing with, with him? Were you awestruck? Did you sort of, like, you, were you aware of the... That legend to be that you were playing with, or uh, he, he was only just coming out. He probably had won a major. We played in Australian Open. I think he was about eighty-five. Um, I was running about fourth in that after two rounds. Um, we got paired with him, and like he didn't hit it that good. But like I, I probably would say I hit it better than him. But boy, for that guy, putted the dots off it. Right, and he putted the dots off it. And uh, you know, if there was a comparison, I probably uh, that part of my worst game is my putting. Um, but again, I, I'm a pretty good ball striker, so we kind of kept up with each other with that kind of situation. But 
you could uh, really roll that nut. Yeah. And so, when you're coming forth after two rounds, what yeah. was that? Eighty-five. Eighty, about eighty-five. Okay. Uh, did you do you get carried as? I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to go back to the amateur, and we get to our thirty-six holes point, which is the ninth, right, or the tenth or something. Yeah. And you've got twenty points or twenty-one points. All these sheds. I think I'm going to win. You know? Did you get carried away with yourself or? No, not at all. Like not at all. No. Really? You, yeah. You do interviews and stuff like that. No, I think I was the first person to break par on the new course of the Australian. Mm. Uh, like there was only about six of us broke par that year. It was ridiculous. They, uh, I reckon, they really had the bunkers. You rolled through the bunker and they plug a berry and right. it, was just, it was crazy. There's only about six guys that broke par in the whole tournament. Um, it was a year that uh, Bob Shearer won. And he was the only guy to break par for the whole four days. Wow. He shot four under and then the next other par and over par. So. It was how tough the course played. How did you finish up after the 72nd? Um, I finished around that period. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's that like? I mean, what the, you know, like, I know what, like, I know what it's like as an amateur, but what's it like as a pro? There must have been a point between that second round and the fourth round where you were, where you did think you were a show and yeah, like I was hanging there in the third round, but come the last round, I actually played with Bobby Stanton in the last round, which is, that was probably more fun playing with him. Than sure, don't get me wrong, I love playing with Payne. Um, but um, yeah, it just, I don't know, I think you start counting the money and when you're that age and that kind of stuff, and yeah. pressure becomes a little bit more, so you, you don't perform at the, the highest level. So how do you how do you suggest people deal with pressure? Um, you go to well enough times, you learn how to do it. Um, people ask me all the time you know, that their son would be any good at you know, professional golf, and, and I see them swinging it, and I don't, I don't have no idea because like I don't know how they're going to perform under pressure. And that's the biggest thing. I teach a lot of really good players, and they don't perform under pressure, so I think they need like. Coaching that side of it with uh, you know, sports coaches and sports psychs and that kind of stuff. And I think most good players these days will have that uh, to try and keep them focused and on, on track. But it's, it really comes down to heart how big a heart you have, how much you, know, you can step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. Can you teach, um, can you teach that sort of resilience? Um, yeah, I think you can. Think can you like? Can you teach that resilience, yeah. or is that a family, a family question? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I can. I can give them as much as I can under like tournament conditions and put pressure on them and see how they react. And you know, doing punting competitions or hitting through, like, you hit through a certain area and get points and like a car like window. Yeah, but until they go under the gun, they you will never know. All right. So, what are, you mentioned that um, you have parents with their kids who are good, you know, promising juniors. Yeah. So, how hard is it for you as a coach dealing with the parents? So, I'm, I'm guessing a kid is a kid is a kid. You know, it's fun, whack. You know, and I did the air. You know, like there's that sense of achievement and getting better, and then parents watching on. So, how much management is the 
the golfer and how much management is the, the parent? Um, to me, it's all golfer. Parents have nothing to do with it in a certain sense of, um, like, I'll treat that kid that I'm teaching. I'm talking kids that are from five up to yeah. ten and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'll treat them as an adult. Mm. And if I think if you do that, you get the same respect back and you keep their attention span because there's always attention span things that you've got to try and keep them doing. But I don't play games with them. I don't, I don't do that. I teach them how to hit the golf ball, how to be better. Yeah. I've been pretty successful at it. Um, and the parents, like, I want them to be there. I want them to understand what we're doing and how we're doing it. But the parents, uh, you know, that they can help outside the, the circle by taking the golf, getting to play golf, that kind of thing. And, and maybe even help them. Some of them are pretty good players themselves. So if I show them they need to do this A, B, and C, they can help them with that. But like I'm, I don't take many prisons. Like when I go, when I teach, anybody that comes for a lesson knows that I, I want more out of you than you want out of, out of yourself. Yes. And that's how I teach. And that's a problem for a lot of golfers, isn't it? I mean, not you're not. Not you're not a problem. <laughs> I'm saying that, that, that a coach who knows what they want out of the golfer is often a problem for a lot of golfers. Um, yeah, but that's communication. That's like knowing where they're at, like how to read people. You know, for a while I taught uh, golf professionals how to teach um, over in Europe and stuff like that. So I have that knowledge of understanding body language, all that kind of stuff. So. And again, like, I'm there to make them better. Normally they walk out better. Right. That's the plan. All right. So let's talk about, and, and I should say that we're in your office, uh, which is at the end of the range. So in the background, you can hear um, the bloke pumping his, can you tell a, a, the, the, the type of a driver by the sound of the driver? No, not really. That's a ping. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's the noise you hear behind. There's another lesson um, going on with, a, with another professional. Dave's office is, it's great. It's like there's, there's clubs and paraphernalia and a few tennis rackets. Um, there's shoes, there's footballs, there's um, what do you call floaty things for swimming pools. Two charts on the, or the actually four pictures on the wall uh, of power and plane. So are they the main things? Just that is just a top line look at what you've got up, and a putting mat as well. Is it power and plane? Is that is that where it all happens? Yeah, I think these days if you haven't got power and you can't swing on the on the right plane, you're, you're pooped. Um, like today, golf today is a about that. If you don't have it, you're probably not going to be competitive in years to come. Uh, it's interesting teaching kids because the kids only will gain speed from 8 to 10. Uh, it's the only time they can gain speed. Uh, they, get, they get a little bit more out of it when they get to about 13 to 14. But after that, it's done. That's what all the tests say. So You're kidding. No. I just, I, I really struggle to comprehend, I was going to say believe, to comprehend that because if you're, if you're saying your, your, power, your speed... By 14 years of age. Yeah, and after that, you won't you won't get any more fast twitch fibers or swimming club much faster than what you did. So all the products, the speed sticks and the, well, speed sticks really. <laughs> they, they might get you to your peak of what your speed could be, but you won't make any more speed. 
That's what all the, the testing, all the scientific data says. Okay, so for the older blokes or people starting or, you know, if you're 40, you've, you've, you're on the yeah. you're on the way, aren't you? Yeah. You're, Are you? You're maxed out. Yeah. I don't believe it. That's true. Right. Yeah. Well, what if, so what if I want to swing it faster? There must be a... Look, I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but no, no, no. science. Okay. And, and what I would say there is that um, you might want to swing it faster, but you won't be able to. Okay. So then, what? So if I can't swing it faster to hit it further, you've got to get more better mechanics. You've got, okay. You've got to make bigger swings to have more time to accelerate it, but you won't get faster. You won't swing it faster. All right. So your job then is to make people swing it better to get their desired, okay. So are you a believer in a single, like there's a a best swing, or are you a believer, and and that everyone should try and hit that swing, hit that shape, or a believer in, we're all different shapes and sizes, so I'll look at you and work out. Definitely all different shapes and sizes, yeah. Okay. But there's two things that are only important in golf, and that's the path that you swing the club on, so that'll determine what kind of shape you're gonna get. And impact, and that's kind of then when what the club face is doing, how you're compressing it, whether you've got dynamic loft or even you're hitting it sky, like scooping it or anything like that. There's only two things. You can lasso cattle, it doesn't matter, up the top, and then come down like Jim Furyk or Matthew Wolf and still be perfect, but they come perfectly down the path and play and have that impact. So. Okay. So then how do you feel when you walk? When you walk past all the people spent. Like I've been here, oh, let, let's be honest, I've been here having a hit, mining, minding my own business, right? Yeah. And you walk past and you went, hey, uh, Tiger, uh, how's it going? And I had to wait for you to leave before I could hit a shot and you wouldn't piss off. So I had to keep hitting and then you went, uh, so it, like is it a, like a foible of yours, you know, is or an occupational hazard that you're just sort of drawn to offer some assistance? Uh, no, probably because you're a friend. No. Yeah, I have to give you something because was, something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you swing it bad, you swing it great. So, yeah, but you were probably underplaying or something like that, like you normally do. So, right. But like I walk on that line when I walk out of here, and it's just cringeworthy. Because <laughs> everyone's like, what is that? That's the top. Okay, so all right. So if you had to say, yeah, so that's the main problem, isn't it? So what, what, you, you explain to me, what is the main problem for the amateur golfer and what's the really general, I mean, because we're not all going to bend our wrists. We're not going to. Now you're getting into my, my, my office of what I do and yeah. you know, how I do it and why I'm so successful and why I'm so busy and all that kind of stuff. And like the human being wants to play straight. They feel like if they swing the club back and keep the club closed and swing the club vertically up and down, they're going to play straight. It's the last thing that will get right all day because it's steep. They probably can't you know, get any body movement out of it because they're going to be tilting backward so they dig a trench in the ground. So, you know, you show them that they've got to swing the club a little bit like a baseball bat around themselves in a circle on an incline plane about, let's say, 45 degrees. And it's life-changing too. But every player, every human being wants to try and play straight. So when you say playing straight, can you just explain uh, that in the, in the simplest? Because yep. we haven't got pictures to, to yep. show. So. so so they line up to the ball and they swing the club vertically straight up and down. So straight backwards and yep. straight through. So if you looked at vertical, vertical would be straight up and down, horizontal would be parallel to the ground, 
and you really need to play golf somewhere in between those two. Yeah, about 45. But golf's probably more horizontal than it is vertical. But 90% of the people I see, and I see everybody, try to play vertical, and it doesn't work. Never been a good player in the history of the game to play vertical. Can't happen. I'm just trying. <laughs> No. <laughs> it's funny because I'm just trying to think of the, if there's any, even someone vaguely, no. but I suppose there's not. There's not. Right. You can't play golf. Physics say that. It's not my rule. Okay. If you don't swing it on that inclined plane, you're going to carve the ball right or left or, you know, you're going to have good impact. And that's it. Then you're dead. You're dead. Hey. So it becomes like... You know, <laughs> you're dead. Yeah. Well, you, you have then two choices. Yeah. You're either playing golf hell or you'll quit. That's yes. The two choices you have. Yeah. If you swing it down path and playing on the right angle, you can be elite. The guys that are elite aren't special. They just they swing the club the way it should be Okay. So um, how how far... Like, have, you, have you ever... I mean... Have you ever had a project? I mean, it's like your job anyway, but yes. like taking someone from, you know, I don't remember the, what the phrase you used to, for some of the swings that you said you see out there, <laughs> but taking someone from really average to really quite good. I do that every day. Right. All day, every day. Right. No, but like, have you taken something, like if you, someone's walked in here and totally, I could bring my 22-year-old son who just is only belief is whack the goddamn hell out of the ball. Yeah. And I'd change In a violent aside. <laughs> right. I'd change it. Right. Okay. So where's, so it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously grip. It's obviously stance. It's, yeah. I mean, where do you, where do you start? What are you looking at? Apart, well, apart, obviously playing. Well, again, like the grips, like really important because it's what you hang on to the club with. Um, and there's a certain way that you've got to grip it so the wrists work and the hands go in the right direction. They don't kind of pose each other and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's like it's not the be all or end all. It's something maybe people think. Um, but the ability to swing that club on plane and have good impact is what it's all about. So I get all my students to start off on a video with everybody, first, first lesson. And I show them that they're trying to kill snakes with that club as they come down because they're super steep. Yeah, yeah. You've had some great um, sort of visuals so far. So yeah. <laughs> you're dead, you're killing snakes. Yeah. Well, you made a mistake coming together. You kind of swing it up and down in a straight line and try and kill them. Mm. And then I take them back and I, I explain to them what's going to happen, how it's going to swing on that 45 degree angle. Then I get them to crawl, walk, and run. So I get them to do chipping, pitching, full swings. By the time they walk out of the door, they pretty much know what they've got to do. And they're, they're very simple kind of ideas. It's like, okay, you've got to get the club shaft back onto your toe line, you know, it's parallel to the ground, parallel to your toe line, that'd be a neutral position. Okay, lift your right hand above your right elbow. You could do that, the club's going to lay down. So if you you're back here like this and you lift your right hand up, the club would lay down to a 45, roughly 45 degree angle. And if you want make it bigger, you lift your right hand above your right shoulder, and there you roughly keep that 45 degree angle. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect there, but when you come down, you're pretty close to it. Okay. Um, You do like the bent wrist, Uh, the the, the dusty. Yeah, like I I think most people are. But we can't do that, like, at 50 you can't do that. 
so this is the this is one of the funny things about like everything you're saying makes sense, and then there must be things that we can, that the 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 older man can't and woman and golfer can't do um, that must kill you. You just look at them. It's not, it's not negotiable. <laughs> it is negotiable. It's not negotiable. It's not negotiable. Right. If, if you can't get that, if you're going to bend left wrist and like the club face is open, you're going to have to close it at some stage. Whether you do a Ben Hogan who was cupped at the top and then came down and went into flex and then on the deviation and into supination to square it up, mm. which is just basically turning the hands down and compressing the ball. Yeah. Or you be a Dustin Johnson or a you know, Victor Hovland or Ram or whatever those guys are, they're already in that position. So they just turn through and compress the ball. So has the golf swing changed much? Um, uh, yeah, I think there was a big influence on uh, a guy, by a guy called Ben Hogan. I think he wrote the, probably the Bible of books. Yeah. Uh, he's got his five, five lessons. Yeah, modern fundamentals. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the Bible for a long time. And then there's been a bunch of guys come through now that have kind of, you know, shaken the tree a bit. And a, few, a few things have fallen out that have been pretty exciting, like, like George Gankus, for instance. And he's got a pretty radical. Uh, pretty, I haven't heard of George. Yeah, he teaches Matthew Wolf. He's, he's pretty loose. He's, yeah, yeah. He's a crazy guy. Yeah. Um, you know, you got guys like uh, Lucas Wald who that they they're all about power now. So all these guys produce tremendous amounts of power. Like they, I mean, their guys just hit it so far. So is that for you? Is that uh, exciting for the game, or a problem for the for the spirit of the game of golf? Um, no, I think it's great for golf. I think when we look at uh, what's going to happen in the next like ten years, like the athletes that will come into the game, I don't know how it's going to. How they're going to control it because, um, like the athletes coming in now, like I remember reading this article five or six years ago, and this kid in Sweden was trying to get out to 400 yard drives, and it was just like, what? This guy's crazy. He'll never get there. And now you got Bryson Shambo, he's nearly there. Yeah. You know? And so imagine the athletes. And excelling on the tour. So it's one thing yeah. to stand and belt beat the hell out of the ball, but. Yeah, but they'll, they'll be athletes. They'll come through and that'll be their standard. And 400 yards will probably be, you know, we, we used to think 300 was long. Now it's nothing. It's like everybody, if you're not hitting it 350, you're probably not in, in the race. I'm talking yards. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. How far do you hit driver? Um, I hit about 180 yards. Yeah, how far, so how, um, uh, so you said you're 65. How far do you hit your five iron? Um, I work in yards again. Yeah, my old school. But I I work on somewhere between 185 and 195. So that's 170 odd meters. Yeah. Right. So that's not out of order, and that's that's not excessively long. They hit their eight on it. No, 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 no. This is no. I mean, for us, for the yeah. for the humans, oh, right? For the yeah. For, yeah. so for the, the average person, yeah, yeah. the average. That's so that. you know, so lots of 55, 60, 65 year olds would be hitting a five iron, one sixty, one seventy. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and you're and I know you're a pro, but like you were off scratch. And you, oh, plus two. How long ago? A couple of months ago. A month ago, yeah. Month ago. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we don't have to hit it a long way. No. Right. Like there's all parts to the game, but 
uh, length is definitely an issue, like a, a bonus if you can hit it one way. What group of guys are going to win on tour this year? There'll be no one. Like, if someone like a Zach Johnson or Brian Gay or some of those guys come along now, you know, they, they wouldn't compete. They won't. Like, the average tour driver now is about 305 yards. Yeah. So you're not hitting that far. You don't compete. Now, one of these guys is going to win. One of these short hitters is going to win this year. And then we're all going to go, ah, oh, Doug Saunders. Dave Saunders. <laughs> that, that, that used to be my nickname on tour. Did it? Yeah, because I got I went to tour and they said oh, Doug Saunders, which is Doug Sanders. Doug Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like my nickname on tour was Dougie. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So someone will win, and we'll all be sort of surprised. I'm Very. guessing. Very. Um, of course, it's too long now. For me. Yeah. Like they're talking. Like, saw something about the toy uh, like the US Open or whatever it's going to be 8,000 yards yeah. oh, that's ridiculous what's that 7,200 metres yeah how far is Royal Melbourne six, six, and and half. six and a half wow okay hey they reckon it could go 8,4 so that's like 8,400 and narrow yards. yeah, yeah showing off like it's just Do you, it's taking the, the, the shorter hitter out of the game yeah. Um, just looking around, so I'm one, two, three, four sets of irons in your office. Yeah. Are they all yours? And like, they're all stuffed to the gills <laughs> <laughs> with clubs, left-handed, right, left-handed and right-handed? Yeah. Well, the left-handed ones are just for the teaching. Okay. Yeah. Um, the role of technology in teaching. So how important is it to be able to, with the videos and the lines and the, you know, the graphics and... Well, I think uh, if you can't see it, you won't fix it. That's my belief. So I think everybody should see their swing and how they, what they're doing. Um, again, you could write a million words and no one understands one word of it. You could speak a million words and no one understands a word of it. You show them a picture and it's like, oh, yeah, I see that. So trying to explain something with that. Seeing it's not impossible because feels not real in golf. And you, they think they're doing A, B, and C, and they're still doing X, Y, and Z. So. Feels not real. Yeah. What about the, the people who talk about playing with the feels? Oh, those, got the, the feels. The, yeah, those feels are like what the hands feel and that stuff. But making changes in golf, you've got to like exaggerate to get the changes in because the brain it, it will revert back to the old habit really quickly. So you, you need to be on top of it. And even I told almost you, it's like video. Look at it. You know the positions you need to be in. If you're not getting those positions, exaggerate a bit more. How do, you, how, how do you go with um, people's feelings? Not their feels. <laughs> <laughs> their feelings. Um, well, you, you learn. Like, I've been doing this for over 40 years. Right, so, yeah. Like, I, I can kind of read people pretty good. That's what I do all day, every day. And, you know, some people I don't care about their feelings, so I'm going to get you better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want to make changes and they, they don't think they uh, need to make the changes. But in the end, by the time we finish the lesson, they, they decide themselves. It's like, well, okay, I get it. You, but you must have had people in tears. And... No, not that no, 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 me, no, no, I mean, I'm not, it's not even, I'm not casting a swear. I have never heard a story or anything like that. But, like, you know, I know that. You know, sometimes someone will give you a tip and you're like, you know, like 
Barry, who plays off 36, and he says, mate, your bar stool's too, too low. <laughs> I go, I go, what are you talking about? I think you might have told me that as well. <laughs> no, like, I don't do many tips. Like, I build swings. That's what yeah. I try and do. Build and rebuild. Yeah, build and rebuild. Yeah. All right. So what about someone comes along and they go, look, mate, I'm just, I'm passing through. They're not passing through. But I'm passing through. Yeah. I, I play shit on Saturday. I wouldn't mind, you know. Are you are you are you interested in the in the one person one moment one hour? Thanks. See you later. Really hey, listen. No, don't no, call me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like I've tried to help anybody that comes in. Yeah. Like there's usually something that's just holding them back. Something that's not quite right. You know. And I don't have to tear everybody to pieces and put them back together. I'm, they might just need to change their left hand grip or something. It might be too weak, and we just tweak that and. And that's all they need, you know. They they get that little bit more uh, closed club face. So when the face gets closed, they're going to have a bit more forward lean on the shaft when they hit it. So it kind of changes them, like just with the change of grip, you know. Or it could be uh, the right elbow might be flying or something, and you just keep it a little bit down. That makes it someone's humping the goat. Yeah, definitely a lot of that in round here. Okay, can you just <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go. explain because one of you, someone who actually has had a lot of lessons from you, yeah, said to me once. He goes, "Mate, you're humping the goat," and I went, you're "Goat humping? Yeah. What are you talking that, about?" That, that's an American saying. All right, American so what does that, that? Yeah, what does um, that mean? It just means that the pelvis comes underneath, and you stand up, and you lose. You bend over your flexion as you what you bend over to, and uh, you put a lot of tilt in. And again, basically, you're not going to be a very good player if you're doing that. So you got to kind of get your hips pushed back and get. Uh, so, you gotta, it's, it's, so you're not maintaining your position. I'm just trying. I'm trying to actually paraphrase. But I don't even know why I'm trying to paraphrase what you're saying. Just well, it's again, it's a pelvis thrust. For, yes. So, as you're hitting. Yes. Right. And you why would we do that? Like why? Because we, you're steep and you're trying to swing the club vertically straight up and down, as right. we've talked about before. So we're back to the so beginning. back to the beginning. So if you don't go down, you're going to probably dig a trench. So now you, you come up and out of it and then you top it. So, and that's the, your reaction to hitting the ground or fatting it. And, you know, there's, there's always action causing reaction. There's always you know, chicken and eggs. Like if we change one thing, something else is going to change. There's never one. Well, why, why, why are there days when you can hit, you know, pound your driver? And I've asked, I've asked other pros this, and, and so I'm curious to know your your thought. There are days when you can absolutely hammer your driver, and like, you're literally like playing like a professional, but you cannot hit a wedge. What what is that? Again, different angles. Like you, you're probably, I don't know, you, you're coming at the ball at a different angle with a wedge to a driver, so the driver you. Put the hands over it a little bit because you're so, so far under and up. I'm not looking at anybody, but, <laughs> but, that's, but that's what happens. Yeah. So you get away with the driver, but you come under and up with a wedge and you get fatted or you thin it or you guts it or you shank it or you, you do all these other things because they're just different angles. You can't come from the same angle. They're two different swings. They're both on different so they are different. So they are different swings. Oh, definitely, yeah. One's on one side of the. the the circle and one's on the other side of the circle. What circle? Well, when you draw it, when you swing a golf club, you swing it in a circle. Yeah. So one's... Aren't they both you hitting at the same part, part of the circle? No. One's descending 
with when you hit it on and one's ascending. Hey, the wood. An ascending and the three wood as well. It's ascending it's just. just. Like it's probably just, yeah, if it is. Yeah. The average tour play hits up around about three to four degrees with a driver and hits down probably about seven degrees with a knife. So, so different sides of the circle, so. I understand. If you want to get really into it, I'm not going to talk about it, but if you want to really get into it, go and look up and go on YouTube and look up a thing called D-Plane. D-Plane. D-Plane, yeah. D-E-Plane? Yeah. Just D-Plane. Oh, D-Plane. Yeah. As in, like, um, Mr. Rourke, the plane boss. <laughs> <laughs> because what that is, is uh, just a real quick on that, that yeah, one. You can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> So what happened when Trackman and all these other Doppler radar machines came out, we, we, we always thought there was one swing. We always thought that you know, one of the swings is where it was. But they've, they've worked out now that when you hit down, if you're hitting down, say, let's say 10 degrees, that means that you're hitting out to the right 10 degrees. So to compensate for that, you've got to hit left five degrees. That's what I don't want to talk about. No, 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 it's really, like, it's actually really interesting. So if you're hitting up, say, five degrees, you, you're actually going back to the left now, so you're not going out to the right anymore, because the plane's arcing back into the left. Mm. So to compensate for that, you've got to hit 2.5 degrees out to the right to hit a straight shot. Okay. That's deep. Okay. And how, how interested are you in a straight shot? Um, yeah, probably most shots we try and teach is, to hit the ball pretty straight until they can understand path and once they understand path then you can start to change that around with, um, with the path to create the different shapes whether you're drawing it or fading it or hitting it straight not many people hit it straight by the way but that's probably what you're aiming for when you take most lessons to get someone on path and playing with the square club to okay so you're you've been teaching for for 35 years, I guess. 40 years. 40 years. Okay, so you'd finished pl- pl- proing, playing 25. You went, yeah, that'll do. That'll, that's enough. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah. Uh, for a while, yeah. Then, yeah. I, then I started playing a few senior events and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and how were they? Yeah, good. I had a lot of success. Won a lot of pro-ams. Yeah. Um, scared them a lot when I was out there. Even up until the last couple of years, I still scare them every now and then when I go and play. Yeah, good. I wouldn't have taught them basically every years in the last 10 years. Right, what do you do with your uh, trophies? Do, they, do you get trophies? Yeah, we got some bowls of wine and some trophies. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah. Most tournament wins and all that kind of stuff. So. Great. Yeah. Um, before someone finishes with a game of golf, um, for whatever reason, yeah. they, they can't cope, they, they're too old, they're no good, they've lost interest, what should they do? What's something they should experience in the game? Um, come and see me. <laughs> Change their lives. <laughs> you don't, you can't believe how many people come to me that they're, I'm the last resort because they're giving up golf. Someone said, I go and see Dave, you gotta go and see him before you give it up. They go and play great golf. Some, a lot of people with the yips chipping and stuff like that, I get these, messages all the time, man, I can't believe you fixed that. It's pretty cool. 
it's I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. Yeah, truth be known. So I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, well, you are lucky, and um, and you're good at it. And I really thank you for your time. No, good on you, Dougie. <laughs> Dave, Dave Saunders. You can find him at Pitwater at the Narrabeen um, Driving Range, Pitwater Golf Centre. Um, real pleasure. Thanks, Dave. My pleasure. Thanks, Ian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.